This is the Brewing Podcast. We're about to start another uh, series, uh, thematic series. I actually kind of like this idea of having a couple episodes from a tight group of people on a particular topic. And this conversation is going to be really interesting because I don't know the person I'm talking to at all. Uh, we basically had a five-minute introductory conversation before we started recording. And um, uh, Gerardo is coming to us. Uh, I guess you can introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm like uh, the so-called youth that you keep referring to in previous podcasts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm from uh, North Texas, so definitely like out of... Uh, out of the loop in regards to the usual anarchist scenes of uh, Portland and uh, New York City and uh, the Bay Area in LA. Um, I host my own podcast uh, called Haters to the Left with two other people. Um, you can find it, you can find the website at haters.life. Uh, no.com because I'm a millennial and we like not having .com, I guess. <laughs> so obviously the theme that we're going to try to get into today is, is about technology and I really want to talk about a critique of technology that's sort of beyond the old uh, Jerry Mather or John Zerzan uh, mm-hmm. type of critique mm-hmm. into one that's relevant in the 21st century but yeah. uh, before we get there uh, can you talk a little bit of, about your route of how you got from where you're from to where you are now um, vis-a-vis a Che Guevara t-shirt yeah, it wasn't even necessarily a Che Guevara t-shirt that I saw. It's just like, I just remember keep seeing it. But um, yeah, so I come from like a very working class family. Uh, like I actually started working in construction. Well, I always went with, I always went with my father usually, and I would play in the sand and stuff. But when I started turning, when like around age 13, maybe a bit earlier, my father kept, uh, or my father kept teaching me more and more. And eventually I just learned uh, the trade of drywall drywall mudding uh and i think that a lot that helped me uh start jumpstart my curiosity on like why do i necessarily have to work why like and just critiquing the economy and just the way the positionality of my own being especially being a a first generation american uh since both my parents are uh mexican immigrants um, well, but yeah, actually, so I, but let, let, let's be a bit more specific. Yeah, so you yeah. start with Che Guevara. Did you actually yeah. read about uh, folkism and some of his uh, political ideology? Uh, a bit. So I like. So I looked up who Che Guevara was. I looked up who the guy on the T-shirt was. Went like noticed he was a communist. Then like just saw just went on the Wikipedia page. I literally like just went on Wikipedia page and uh, looked up what communism was. And I was like, eh, this sounds interesting. It's definitely an alternative. Um, Eventually, I was like, oh, what's Marx and Leninism? What's all of these different subcategories of communism, like anarcho-communism, stuff like that? And I definitely, like, felt more, like... I definitely, like, did delve into Marx and Leninism and stuff like that and mm-hmm. read critiques and uh, read works by Marx and stuff like that, but I... Well, what did you felt, like about, about Marx and Lenin? Um, I mean, I think initially it was just, like, the USSR. Like, there was an example... But, I mean, eventually I read more, and I was like, oh, the USSR is definitely not something I want to repeat. Uh, well, but, but you, you read enough to know that, like, their ideas influenced this incredible revolution yeah. that actually changed yeah. the society that it yeah. impacted. And, did like, did you actually, you know, read the manifesto and were like, yeah, yeah I really like this? Or Yeah, I read the manifesto. I read uh, um, Principles of Communism by Engels. I read, I read some other, like, Origin of the... Uh, Origin of family, or origin of family property and state, or mm-hmm. that I, I can't remember the exact ordering of the three. But um, and so then, when you find a critique of the USSR, you realize how fucked it ended up being. Who were the authors yeah. that that? What was their next step in terms of the authors and the? Um, I think like Emma Goldman, Kropotkin. Oh, um, so you did you actually read Disillusionment in Russia? And I didn't actually read that. I like I think I just went maybe on the Arcus Library. Because I was just like, oh, anarchism is another strain, and I think like I really like bought into like, oh, I like anarchy and communism have the same end goal, you know that usual mm-hmm. trope. Sure. Uh, and so I was like, oh, so what do I have to learn about anarchism? And then I just read, uh, I, yeah, I definitely read like Kropotkin and Goldman, uh, Enrico Malatesta, yeah. um, 
yeah, like the hate market affair. I read a lot about the history of anarchism in the U.S. Sure. Um, and then, like, the more and more I read, just the more and more, like, further into the, I guess, the edges of what is considered, like, more mainstream anarchism is and went to, like, insurrectionary anarchism with Bonanno, um, Sturter. I actually got a fairly um, um, early introduction to Sturter because I did a lot of my political... Um, research on Twitter, or I guess I found a lot of pol uh, uh, political, uh, not figures, but just people who post a lot about politics mm -hmm. on Twitter, and so I just, I just read a lot of what they recommended, and one of them was Sterner and, uh, and, that, so and the, 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 and like the Sterner meme stuff didn't really get started until like 2014, maybe yeah, 2015? Yeah, So it's really like that, just yeah. been a couple years. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely like didn't really get introduced to Sterner by the memes, uh, it was basically just one person who I followed, a mutual of mine on Twitter, and we, uh, um, and he just recommended Sterner to me, and I was like, oh, okay, that seems interesting, especially since like it's a critique of uh, fixed ideas, and I was like, yeah, this um, this critique seems fairly, uh, you know, fairly interesting critique, yeah. Okay, yeah, and, and so uh, then, what was your next step, or or actually talk a little bit about. You know, really what you're talking about is you, you, you start out with Wikipedia, which of course makes sense if you type in a word on a, any search engine, mm -hmm. that's going to come up re real real quick. Uh, then you went to the Anarchist Library, and you probably also found the Marxist Library at yeah. Marxist.org. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so so you at least went you know one level deeper than Wikipedia to, to read some source material, to sort mm -hmm. of see how some of that source material was connected. And then you're talking about Twitter, which is a, you know almost the opposite of those two fo formats yeah. in that it's, <laughs> it's very real time. It's lots of like in-jokes and lots mm -hmm. of like clippy, you know, Whatever yeah, a lot fucks. of yeah, a lot of clicks. Uh, God, every so many arguments get caught up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost daily that happens. But um, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I I'm a very strong internet user, and uh, uh, but I don't understand Twitter. I I can't. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely not the only one. Um, even within my group eight uh, group. Uh, Age group, that's the word. Um, uh, even within my age group, a lot of people don't, like, get Twitter. Uh, it's definitely, I think, just something that you have to kind of just automatically, like, either get into or not. I mean, that really seems to be just what any uh, social media platform seems to be, something you either immediately get or you just, like, very curious about and just, you know, try it out eventually. And eventually you just either get it or you just get bored of it and go to another yeah. platform. Yeah, for me, it's it's continues to be there's a critical mass there that I'm not exactly catching on to, or I came too late, or there, there's something about it I just don't exactly grok. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, so this means um, by following Twitter and, and things like that, yeah, it means that you're Reddit paying it as well. Yeah. Ah, okay. Which, <laughs> yeah. which of the which of the Reddit subgroups do you pay attention to? Uh, paid, like past tense. Uh, it was r slash anarchism, r slash socialism, r slash communism occasionally communism 101 stuff like that more like the introductory subreddits and then like anarchism 101 as well and then the the group discussions the one where all of the groups also uh just had their own ah, okay they're kind of almost debate groups yeah yeah and wh where do you feel like there continues to be like i've always found our anarchism to be nightmarish like oh, yeah. if this <laughs> is the anarchist society that that um that some people hope to build i i don't want this <laughs> like, yeah yeah no yeah i i got tired of it like like really i just like eventually i just got tired of it i was just like i'll just use it on twitter because i'm just tired of having the same liberal anarchists i guess mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or same liberal chomskyites and, uh. so what do you so uh but this means that you're still at the point where you participate in conversations on the internet pretty much as the way in which your politics has grown and shaped itself. Somewhat, actually. It's actually pretty interesting because I was always someone who didn't necessarily... I was always a lurker. Um, I didn't necessarily like have conversations re regularly with other people. Like I definitely did... I mean, on Twitter, definitely, just because that one-on-one -on -one interaction was easier. But whenever it's just like fully anonymous, I just was kind of worried, and I just wanted to... I just was someone who always wanted to have more and more information. Um, instead of necessarily uh, finding a community, which seems to be uh, um, what a lot of people on the internet are trying to find, especially uh -huh. within my age group. Um, because you can even see it in real life. 
or in yeah, like outside the internet, just a lot of people. The reason why they go in groups or like go into uh, various clubs. Why they, they do anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and is this because you have a community? Um, not even necessarily. I think I just always saw the internet as like the separate realm, or I'm not a separate. I always saw it connected uh, to the real world, um, but but not something that I can really form actual meaningful relationships i can definitely use it to connect to other people and have like that start but once did you, know, you it sounds like you maybe have a relationship with it more like the library yeah yeah like it's actually. where you go to do the to do the to open to crack the books to yeah. find the things and then you leave to 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 be part of your life yeah i mean i definitely have like a community on twitter that like i, I kind of am part of but it's okay. definitely not something that i obsess over uh yeah like image for i think like if it's explicitly political i try not to let it envelop my life and uh yeah and, and then, like just oh, yeah do you find any different reddit communities that where the conversations are actually higher quality than our, our anarchism like is our socialism or our communism is it no, actually better I mean, in any way no the, the whole like the whole reddit community is just not conducive to having good conversations i think like i haven't really found a platform where that, that is able to mimic conversations from person to like voice uh, conversation from voice to voice or from person to person mm-hmm. either in real life or from like a Skype call or something did you ever use Anarchist News? Anarchist what? oh anarchistnews.org oh Anarchist News yes uh, I use it just for news sites I don't necessarily the comments aren't I, I don't know <laughs> um, I, I don't know I just uh, the comments just to me doesn't seem very conducive I mean, they definitely have some good conversations occasionally, but uh, it's not something that I always necessarily check. I it's, just, seems, it's interesting yeah. because it seems like if you if you are, want more information, anarchist news comments, in my experience, have the most co- contextual fiber in really? them. I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have to check them out more. It's just I think it's just from being on the internet so long and the old idea of never look at the comments because it's always a shit show. Sure. <laughs> um, maybe I'm just that's just like one of the rules that I always abide by. No, and, and of course that's true, but, but yeah. other things are also true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so so y- you basically, because of the internet, you got to do some stuff really, really fast compared to my generation and even compared to the generation or two after me. Um, so you basically have landed on, at a, on a political position at a pretty young age. Yeah, yeah. Like a fairly, a fairly extreme political position. Yeah, from like yeah, fourteen years old. <laughs> wow, without and, punk music, <laughs> and, and right, right, without punk music. But punk punk music honestly can can turn you into a leftist, but it doesn't turn you into a post left left stern yeah. right. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do, what? Uh, so, what have been the cultural influences that have promoted or or inspired you in that direction? If it has been punk rock, um, did you find crime, did you find crime think really early? Yeah, actually, yeah, I did. Uh, I did find Crimesake pretty early on, um, and I listened to their podcasts, funnily enough. Um, yeah, just a lot of podcasts, actually, just because of working construction, and I'm just oh. able to listen. So you've been listening to podcasts as, like, a thing for years. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've definitely been waning, depending on how busy I've been, but whenever I just, like, don't have much to do, like, when construction, where I'm just working with my hands and not necessarily uh, thinking about anything else, I just put on my podcast and listen oh that's fascinating that 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 did not exist before (laughs) i mean there were there were people in my generation who were formed because of radio but it was because Mm. of college radio um basically like playing alternative music or like i remember in the very early 80s right i'm that old um (laughs) uh people like listening to u2 and rem on the radio and college radio before they became popular bands and that was like that that formed, you know, the entirety of alternative rock and, and all of that stuff was college radio. Hmm. Um, so now we're talking about the possibility because of podcasts and because of such a niche format that you can actually become a post-left anarchist listening to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely, oh God, it's definitely interesting because there's like a lot of my, yeah, a lot of like just my other anarchist comrades or friends, uh, they, they're st- like, they listen to punk and I'm just like that weirdo who doesn't like, really find it that enjoyable (laughs) 
Yeah, honestly, even though I very much come from, out of the hardcore scene, mm-hmm. uh, I I don't listen to punk very much at all okay. uh, nowadays. I listen <laughs> to some some sort of nostalgic music, but okay. mostly mostly I listen okay. to modern uh, EDM and and okay. electronic, and uh, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Swedish dance music. And ah, yeah, I listen to like vaporwave and uh, weird yeah. internet meme genres. <laughs> Which honestly has a lot of overlap with noise, which is a huge, mm-hmm. huge scene mm-hmm. that's very post-punk. And yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about where your ideas are going, sort of con- uh, adjacent to conjoining with anarchism. Uh, obviously, right now, I really want to talk about technology. Mm-hmm. And so why don't we start that conversation? What are your thoughts? Um, well, technology, I think it's definitely... It, it, it's definitely something that in a modern day it's very ubiquitous and you can't I think it's just you, it's very hard to escape it if you don't if you don't actually create a, a willing effort to do it um, like rewilding I guess if you're in the primitivist uh, milieu um, and it, I just keep noticing like how connect like how I have to connect to technology to like fulfill myself or like where I can't just like I can definitely like sit down and relax but is something that I have to think about and not like I I, I instinctively, instinctively have to like grab my phone and check Twitter or check Facebook or something, and I just like realize like it's like kind of like an addiction. <laughs> like I I mean I hate doing that comparison, but it really kind of is just where you can't really you have a withdrawal if you don't have it with me. Um, I mean yeah like recent today like the house that I live in we have internet problems and. It's like everybody is kind of just not... They, they just go to where the internet is, which is the campus right now, which is quite right. thing. Um, so, obviously, this is like the first level of, of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Everyone agrees technology yeah. has inserted itself into modern life. You know, that's... Yes, of course. Um, we also agree, and I think everyone agrees, whether they're pro or con, that... that um, uh, that there's been this uh, huge impact, especially in the daily lives, especially in the daily lives of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the the I guess there's a question here that's sort of similar to talking about capitalism or other ubiquitous op- oppressions, which is kind of a chicken and egg question, which <coughs> which is to basically say, was there is there a cabal that has inserted technology into life daily life? Or is the persuasion of technology the the driving force that sort of uh, created the situation that li- we live in now? In other words, are we gonna, are we going to say that this is because you know the television medium had had died, and so people wanted their screens to be smaller and more portable? Or yeah, talk talk about your thoughts there. Yeah, I definitely don't think about the cabal. I definitely I definitely think it's just people wanted portable. They they had the they had the idea of progress, especially the idea of like the science science fiction progress, where you have just technology always connected to it. Oh, disconnect or no no I'm here. Okay, I'm actually uh, uh, muting when I when I cough. Ah okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but definitely just the idea of like that sci- the sci-fi ideal of always having technology on your body somehow. Uh, they, like think of Star Trek communicators or um, or even cyber cyberpunk uh, Blade Runner type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that definitely like help like it, it's some it's like a cultural shift or a cultural mindset of always wanting to progress to something new or always wanting to progress to something better. Like technology in the minds of a lot of people, it's not it, it's something neutral when you know it. Certainly, I, I don't think it's certainly it, it is. It definitely has its own structures and it imposes its own logic within within the minds of uh, yeah, within just how people interact, I guess, and how people see themselves. So there, there is a uh, an argument that we can make about our modern era that basically says that we'll say since the death of the workers' movement, which mm-hmm. I, I pinpoint as living somewhere between the 60s and the 70s, but basically okay. as, as the death throes of it being the May of 68 moment that, that obviously influenced me and, and other people like me, <clears throat> since the death of the workers' movement, that not much has changed in modern capitalist Western life. 
and you know by this I, I sort of would would mean that that you know while we might laugh at the fashion of the 80s the fashion of the 80s is very much in the spectrum of the fashion of today oh yeah and you, you can't even say that culturally i mean vaporwave itself is kind of just a remixing of yeah. 80s fashion absolutely or 80s aesthetic it's right. just now like in some ways it can be a critique in other ways an uh, exalting the values of the 80s and thing, and, and cy reason. cyber cyberpunk is absolutely a product of the 80s oh that's and, it, yeah and um so anyways I, I mention all this because there is a way in which uh when we talk about technology and how fast it's moving and you know people wave their hands and are, are really enthusiastic mm -hmm. i can imagine nothing changing for the next 10 years and people being perfectly happy and satisfied meaning like if if i can imagine your your living room you know with uh, imagine that you live in a group house or you live with other young people that mm -hmm. commonly an evening will be filled with three or four people hanging out in the living room all staring at screens and every once in a while you know maybe sharing a youtube video with with another person in the room and and basically having having this very sort of sedentary screen based um uh we'll call it like like almost call and response or like pavlovian um sort of sort of set of uh, uh interactions with each other and and that to me feels like an end game in other words like it feels like that could still just be the case for the next 10 years and you basically from the outside view you know wouldn't wouldn't notice the difference if, on, on some level that may, if that makes any sense. Yeah. In other words, it feels like we've reached a plateau in this current generation of internet-based mobile technologies, mm -hmm. and and it's it's hard for me to imagine um, something that's going to have the sort of cultural and the the like the critique of the internet as far as it's gone hasn't gone deep enough because it hasn't understood enough about the the social impacts of the internet. Mm -hmm. But it feels like you actually are, are uh, close enough to see how it how it feels. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we definitely actually we we have a very small TV and we don't we barely use it. We only use it when we uh, want to play a video game on one of the consoles, which is actually also fairly rare. Um, we basically just yeah we stay in our rooms occasionally and we uh, we're either doing schoolwork or we're watching YouTube videos or something. You know, consuming media online on our laptops or on our phones. And then when we see each other, I mean. We kind of make it into a small event. I mean, in my house, we have this thing called a porch sesh, where because uh, we have a porch where it's the place that's designated as a uh, where you can smoke weed and smoke uh, uh, smoke cigarettes, and that's and whenever we just like kind of see each other in the household, we we kind of say like one of us says porch sesh question mark and and then everybody's kind of like eh sure why not and then we kind of like smoke weed and just talk for a bit and. Uh, and then once we're done, we go back to our rooms and, or go back to what we're doing, make, either making food or getting food, and then go back to our rooms and go back to the same routine of doing schoolwork and, or consuming media on the internet. I apologize for sort of sidebarring here, but I'm curious as to what dating life is like for for, for people in, in your age group. Yeah, I mean, in other words, like how many of your friends are with the people that they're with? And they met via the internet, via a dating app. Uh, not I mean, you're in, you're in college, so that obviously college is one yeah. of the few times in someone's life where you can actually meet real human beings in, in the modern <laughs> sort of scenario. But yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious as to how much those apps are, are used in, in in your social circles. Depends on how lonely the person feels. Funnily enough, because um, often, like the perception of Tinder and other dating apps like that is um, it, it's just basically like a game or like as a way to get validation for how you look or for how you. Um, In other words, it's is it because it's for hookups or because it's just for the for the the swipes? Uh, because it's it, it like it's because we see it as for hookups, but a lot of people just don't like either they're not comfortable or they just like they just want to have the validation. They just want to have the looks, the swipes. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's actually how I use it. I, I only used it once to hook up, and then I was like, meh. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really use it to meet people or to find new people. I just try to um, try to meet friends through mutual friends. 
And I think that seems to be what other people do as well, unless they're very isolated or just feel very alienated from uh, the community they're in. You, you've probably heard me either talk about the stats or you've seen them yourself, but your generation is famously undersexed compared oh, to yeah. uh, generations before, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is strange given, I mean, I, I can imagine if, if I had uh, a dating app, you know, when I was young and cute, you know, <laughs> I would have used it. I mean, there's no, uh, no if, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, oh God, especially in Japan. But, um, yeah, that's, I don't, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's uh, as stuff like, um, like I, the the rules of sexual harassment or like uh, the borders uh-huh. of um, of intimacy are definitely like becoming more, I know more socially talked about. Sure. People, a lot of people are more cautious, or I'm not a sure. Lo- if cautious. I'm sorry. Well, a lot of, a lot of campuses have this really clear like, "May I please touch your hand?" Yes, you may touch your hand. Hand touching occurs. <laughs> may I please put my arm over your shoulder? Yes. In other words, this uh, clear dialogic consent first sort of uh, yeah uh, mode. Yeah, which is like definitely a. I, I mean, I don't know. I personally, I think it's a better model, but it's not a very good one, and one that can just, I don't know, it just leaves a lot of room for, I don't know, it just seems very boring and very robotic in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't seem natural to me. But Civilization is not natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah. So, I notice uh, that when I, whenever I go to Mexico to visit family there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, talk a little bit about that. How different, in what you experience, is your family rural or urban? Both my parents are come from rural towns. So uh, when, when you go there, you're going to the country. I'm going to the countryside in northern Mexico. You know, so the desert, the desert of northern Mexico. Fuck. And yeah. what are they? What are they growing? Uh, so my my father's family uh, raises cattle. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, crazy so, yeah. so they're, they're so they're like cowboys they wear like f- yeah. funny shoes and the hats and the whole it, it, I mean, worn jeans well that's when we're gonna go out <laughs> 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 which is same which is why my parents moved to Texas I think because it's a very similar culture yeah um, <laughs> but yeah it's the difference between because the, the use of technology is still there but it's definitely since uh, it's rural, it's definitely a lot less pre- prevalent. And since it's a small town, you can create deeper social connections. Like everybody knows each other in that town, in, in those uh-huh. two towns. And uh-huh. whenever I visit, they always like, "Oh, your ex is your oh, Gerardo's wow. son." Who is I'm named yeah. after my father, so they're like, "Oh, your Gerardo's son, your Gerardito." I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely." And, Holy um, shit! Wow, it's it's like you're in the 19th century or something. A bit, a bit. I mean, 19th century was still having cable television, although a lot of people don't necessarily like watch that much TV. They just they sit on the porch and they, uh, uh, you know, they they do they try to keep themselves busy by either doing work or just going to. Uh, or definitely the older people, I guess. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. The younger. It, there's definitely been the young. The younger generation has been either going to the U.S. or going to the nearest cities to try to work and try to, I guess get out of this grind or get out of this uh, boring world as they see it. But that's really um, no different than the U.S. Most of, yeah, most of the yeah. rural U.S. is exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how, many, like how, the, how many young people want to raise cattle, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially since it's uh, not necessarily land that we own, but uh, it's communal oh. land given by the state. Wow that we just manage for ourselves because even the state presence is fairly low in uh, in, the, in the rural towns. It's definitely there like because my father's village is right next to a military base, which I noticed last time I, I, I saw uh, or I visited, but it's definitely not a big presence. It's just there and you can ignore it if you want <laughs> sure. uh, with not too much consequence as long as you don't do something extreme, I guess. Yeah, what's the, what's the uh, Mexico military apparatus look like like is there any international ambition or is it just no not from what i've seen it's just basically focused on cartel activity and the war on drugs right 
So it's basically yeah. an adja- adjacent to the uh, DEA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> God, how miserable. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I visited Chihuahua, Chihuahua, uh, which is like uh, the biggest, the capital city of the state of Chihuahua, which is mm-hmm. near where my mother is from. I remember going to city because that's where my aunt lives and walking down and then just, I would see soldiers with like, with uh, AR-15s or some other type of gun just there, just watching and making sure everything, you know, there isn't any shady shit going on. Fuck. Yeah, of course. That was like over 10 years ago. I haven't visited since then. So let's come back around to the topic of technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sure that, that you probably have some particular things that you wanted to get at in the in the context of the conversation. I, I, I want to leave room for that. But I do want to ask the question, if you were going to advocate like like this is what we can do to to fight you know the technological creep or this is what we could do to to change the relationship that my generation has to, to technology where would you begin like to make your your generation more receptive to technology or more receptive well no i mean or uh, i mean the opposite i'm sorry I'm yeah i'm assuming <laughs> i'm assuming that we that we share a critique yeah and, yeah and, that, and that, that we see technology as a way in which our lives are becoming uh more robotic less human less natural uh-huh. um and but but uh uh Really, what I what I'm trying like, to do? How is would I? What would a way out look like for me? Or yeah, okay. Um, see, that's what I'm trying to figure out for myself mm-hmm. because I definitely think, like, probably like deleting Facebook. I, I I think I think the way I see technology, or maybe the internet, to lessen the scope a bit, is as a repository of information, whereas a lot of people see it as a space for socialization. And I think yeah. the way. Uh, the way that socialization works around the internet changes the way we socialize around the world or around in the in the actual world. I like to call it AFK away from keyboard to, mm-hmm. to be funny. Um, but I, I think definitely maybe like going back to just a repository of information or I'm not sure going back, but just using that. And I'm just trying to, because I'm trying to figure out how, how can we have more productive discussions and more productive and deeper social connections with outside of technology with technology still present and I just haven't been able to find an answer for that I, I mean because I recently on you know, Facebook just, God I hate I hate I, I have a rule for myself of ne- don't ever debate on Facebook because yeah. nothing of nothing of substance is ever going to or even on you, the internet in general you will notice that, that I, I don't debate on Facebook mm. Mm. I might seem like I do, but mostly just by making provocative comments and walking away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't even do that. I just, I just, I just stay away because right. um, I think definitely in the culture, in, in like the call out type culture that we live in, or sure. that I guess that college uh, activism lives in, is very, it's very much like screenshot and it's forever, and you don't want to have that, especially for me who who is very open to changing my own position and changing my own mind. I don't mm-hmm. want to necessarily have like something a record represent. Yeah. A record representing like, as if that's my position and that's my position only, which sometimes a lot of people kind of can treat it like that, especially. So, if you're, so your, your initial attitude is one of self-defense. Yeah. Use, use the internet for the, for its functions as a fantastic library and otherwise maintain self-defense at all times. Except for Twitter. Yeah. Well, Twitter even. Uh, yeah, I mean, except for Twitter. Sometimes I try. Not too provo- provocative, but sometimes provo- not provocative, but just like something that, that kind of uh, teases at what my position at, is at or something. Or, mm-hmm. like, like a tweet that would, like, well, I don't know, even. I mean, let me check what my Twitter. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, one of my tweets was, was broke fighting against heteropatriarchy through education, dialogue, and material resistance. Woke commodifying and sanitizing queer culture for neoliberal assimilation. This spoke equating everything gay as good, which is like a critique of how um, how a lot of people, especially in the space that I occupy here at uh, the college that I go to, um, gayness is very um, or queerness even is very uh, uh, very idealized or idolized, I should say, and kind of um, just. Like that, like a lot of people just equate gay as necessarily as something good, but don't go at the 
deeper end of why it's good or why they see it as good. They just see like, oh, it's countercultural, maybe. Um, or maybe the image of being gay, and that's how they see them as resisting their, their condition of, uh, of heteropatriarchy. But then when it comes to actually trying to dismantle the material uh, structures, they, I don't know, a lot of people tend to shy away from that. I mean, you're honestly, that uh, that was an example of a very dense oh, sorry, little, little critique. It. No, no, it's, I mean, obviously I don't have a problem with it, but it, it actually comes off uh, very much more like a anti-Seikami critique mm-hmm. than an anarchist mm-hmm. critique. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. so it sounds like it. Uh, you all have also been impacted by anti-Seikami stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's What's an example of stuff that's inspired you in that in that realm? Um, probably Kropotkin. Even um, trying to think, communization theory. Mm-hmm. The Invisible Committee, if that can be considered anti-Seikami. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the SI are also. Yeah, the SI. Yeah, definitely. I mean, earlier you mentioned Julio, who obviously I did at least one episode of the Brewing with. Um, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I imagine you, Julio finding Julio must have been very exciting for you because he is also interested in Twitter and he is also a la- Latino post yeah. uh, post left anarchist. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't like LA, so that part I was like, mm. yeah, <laughs> I really don't like LA. I visited once and I was like, no. But the rest, I was like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is amazing and stuff that, um, I don't know, just, just finding other radicals of the same ethnicity, I guess, that's near sure. the same position, um, can be very and, difficult. And he really does have a crew in L.A. Like, like he's actually not the... I, I met him 10 years after I met the other people, so... Oh, wow. He's the Johnny Come Lately in that scene, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Wait, the Johnny what? <laughs> Johnny Come Lately, it's like... Oh, okay. He's, yeah. he's the second generation. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah I thought it was a reference to some old culture that I did. I, probably, it probably is, but I, <laughs> even I don't know the actual origin story. So, But yeah, yeah, he, he has some people down there who are more like my age. He's uh, 10, years, 10 to 15 years younger than me. So. Oh, wow. Okay, so back to, back to technology. Um, has there been anything in your studies and the actual classes you take and the, and the ways in which people are talking about technology that has been meaningful or useful to you? Because, you know, one of the things that I'm finding is that a lot of the uh, technology critiques that we sort of use nowadays sort of don't seem to understand how technology has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about the Internet that's so powerful is that it's all the things that we've been talking about and more. Mm-hmm. And in other words, you, you know, you can definitely feel like you have control over it because you can just, for instance, treat it like a library or... Tr- treat it like an IRC channel or treat it like, and, and all of those different functionalities make it, you know, this incredibly ubiquitous tool. Yeah. I'm trying to think because usually the, the critique of, or the way technology is talked about tends to be like, yes, it, like there are bad stuff. There's this bad stuff about it. And good. It's a very like basic level critique of technology where, right. yes, we have to be aware of how it affects us and how our behaviors change. But you know, like it's still very much pro. It's and it's the it's the neutral argument at worst, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there there are definitely some courses here that I'm interested in taking that the professors seem to be very critical of technology. But I I won't be taking those until like uh, the next year or so, the next semester. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, there's not much really <laughs> else to say, especially since uh, initially. I was in STEM, and STEM kids are definitely very much pro, pro technology. <laughs> yeah, you know, in my own story, I mean, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but uh, really, it was for me uh, <clears throat> leaving STEM and uh, uh, coming to a clear break from STEM mm-hmm. that really uh, uh, determined uh, sort of my political direction and reconciling. You know how how one could have learned so much about the world through sort of a science education and also through science fiction. Mm. Um, you know, again, the other the other sort of topic that I want to thread out in this. You know, I, I don't exactly have answers here. I'm just asking questions. At least at this point, I'm t- just going to read the, read a line to you. How do we feel about a hard rejection of technology, i.e., one that would destroy it without the consent of the users of it, in light of Ted K. 
ITS, and even old school Earth First actions, do we feel that soft rejection, i.e. not using it ourselves, is enough? Assuming it isn't enough to save the world, is it just enough to save our little lives? So I, I think that, that you know the old school uh, conclusion of this kind of conversation sort of seemed to say if you had a critique of technology, it was either a hard a hard critique, which said that we you know should destroy the grid and damn the consequences, or it was a soft critique saying, you know, I'm not going to use Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. there's a different way? A different way today? I'm trying to maybe I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the only position I could see that's somewhat different from those two positions is like uh, like somewhat it's somewhat in the middle where they're two different like you uh your com- the community that you're in reject technology like uh, uh, quakers or amish yeah yeah kind of kind of like a co- yeah a commune type style where like you you all the members of the commune don't use technology or something like that but i mean that's i wouldn't say that's a very interesting uh or a very, very useful way of think, thinking, or a very new way of thinking, I guess, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Because, um, yeah, because I definitely don't see another way out, like, of either individually or just systemically um, destroying technology through either, like, the TED-K ITS school or just social, like, just rejecting technology yourself. Um, I mean, it's definitely something that, like, for a long time, or not long time, I think, relatively, as I'm only, I'm fairly young, um, but for a while, just trying to think of just how to lessen the grip technology has over me and over my life, but I just, I still haven't found answers to that either. Well, uh, so I guess just to talk about, uh, you know, something a bit more gossipy and a little bit more <laughs> topical, um, <laughs> how have you felt about the controversies around ITS and around, like, you know, one of the positions you've probably heard me take is that I don't understand enough about Mexican culture to talk about, uh, to, to, to judge especially the, the, the context of the violence that ITS have claimed responsibility for um, vis-a-vis someone who basically says, you know, the idea of basically killing hikers, you know, is abhorrent to any sort of uh, conversation about uh, working towards a better world. Mm-hmm. See, my surprise was the way a lot of people uh, reacted towards the use of violence as if anarchists don't, like, <laughs> uh, advocate for violent revolution at some point, or, like, where a lot of the moralists would advocate for violent revolution. Uh, ITS itself, I think they bring interesting critiques of, or interesting, like, uh, it was an interesting way on how they... Uh, um, they developed from a group of, uh, of Kaczynski Knights and Primitivists and uh, that type of ideologies to just a complete rejection of, uh, um, of anarchism as an ideology and, and, mm-hmm. and technology. And the, but the, the, especially the way they kind of, uh, I don't know if appropriate is the right word, but just appropriated like Aztec and Mexican culture, or Aztec yeah, and Mayan yeah. culture. And it, and yeah, it's almost always Aztec. It's almost always Aztec, and not not very frequently Mayan, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, it's it's the same way how a lot of Chicanics uh, uh, that I've noticed that exalt the the Aztec culture itself as like this this culture that this noble culture that fought against the uh, Spaniards but died in vain or died um, died in resisting imperial conquest as a I don't know, as if as if they themselves have a connection to the Aztecs. I mean, I, I guess in a way Mexico does have a connection, but it's definitely not one that's indigenous and yeah. that I always um, try to critique a lot of people because I definitely don't have. I mean, I'm sure I have some indigenous blood in my in my history, but I'm not like I'm not going to claim to be indigenous because I'm certainly not connected to any type of indigenous culture. Yeah, that's inter- that's an interesting provocation. There's a huge uh, conversation to have there. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the things that I'm definitely gr- in grappling with right now is if if it requires uh, a continuous bloodline to to be indigenous, that means mm-hmm. that uh, that we're done. That that mm-hmm. the relationship between us and the earth, the relationship between us and 
and sort of a simpler way of being in the world is over, and uh, and that that seems to me to to be to the benefit of the colonizers. Yeah, yeah. So how do you propose? Like, do you see a way, like a different way of viewing indigeneity, or? I think that I I would basically use the term in two different ways, or or perhaps I would say that that indigeneity is something separate than being native. You know, being native is about perhaps, you know, who you were raised by, the community that you're from, and indigeneity is perhaps uh, more philosophical. Uh, okay. But, but I, I, would, I, would, I would be very tender-footed about how I'd, I'd do this communication because, you know, I, I, I totally buy the fact that, you know, many native people are going to say we're indigenous and, and you, broadly stated, you know, white European people are not indigenous yeah, and I think that 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 while while it's fair for them to say that and it's fair to have that perspective uh-huh. I still I still think that, that that basically leaves the situation to be too hopeless which you know might sound funny um, from someone who people think is a nihilist but um, <laughs> but but in point of fact I think that the that you know for me hope looks like that believing in the capacity for people to start over okay. and and you know learning to live while eating ash um but but that's you know that's my own my own trip yeah and, and obviously i i, I want to hear yours because yeah you know, so maybe you can relate that to technology if we were like if there were some if there were some sort of uh just mass i don't know like a, a mass ied that completely destroyed the technology that we live in living like what uh, i guess what's the possibility of rebuilding uh or re uh, reviving human culture in a way that maybe doesn't rely as much on technology or maybe has a completely different relationship to technology. Sure. Um, especially since we see how fragile this technology can be in light yeah. of, uh, of a huge disaster like that. Because, um, I mean, well, there's I can't remember what exactly the, uh, the solar event is, but a one type of solar event can wipe out all the technology that we have. Uh, I believe, if I could be wrong. <laughs> I could just be reading horrible science. Well, there's a ton of stuff that could do it. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. not just nuclear war, but but uh, sure, there are certain types of solar flares that could actually knock out electronics. And and you know, really, what we're talking about is not. It wouldn't require just knocking out uh, electronics. It would also require knocking out the factories that produce electronics. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't just require that. It would also require knocking out the people who had the intelligence to build the factories. And, you know, it probably wouldn't just require that. It would probably also require uh, destroying certain of the conceptual uh, frameworks that allowed the knowledge to continue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. But that said, you know, one of the fascinating and pernicious things about the Internet was the way in which it was designed decentrally in such a way as to, um, you know, obviously it was planning on a war, but, but what that looks like today is that in many different contexts, it doesn't matter if you knock out a server. You know, if I, yeah. if I, if I had enough money, you know, as you probably know, I'm a technologist and I host a lot of anarchist uh, web infrastructure. Oh, no, I haven't and, noticed at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, actually, it, it's actually like my, my secret superpower that I, I don't, that, I, that I don't talk about that much because it's not that important to, to what mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, but yeah. it's but it's very important because it's one of the reasons why people listen to me even if they hate me. <laughs> um, so, anyways, the point is is that it's just a matter of money. Why I don't why I, I couldn't be stopped by a government, for instance, mm. and that's that's a really different state of affairs than it used to be. You know, pi- the pirate bay continues on even though government after government is against it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Even then, I mean, there's been a shift. I. I there's definitely been a shift in the way um, that power in the internet lies, because it doesn't really lie in governments. It lies in the like as much as I have to say, like the corporations, like Google. It does, it lies yeah. on yeah, it lies on Google. It lies on Microsoft. It li- relies on all <laughs> these different type of new authorities, and we see this kind of shifting even in the real world from where um, I mean, who is host? I mean. Who creates the servers that have all the NSA, uh, um, all the NSA surveillance data? Yep. Definitely, like a technology company, and they're the ones who manage it. Because I'm sure the U.S. government contracts that type of management some 
to some other firm um, early on with that, actually. Yeah. Well, but thank yeah, you I think just a shift in balance. Yeah, probably just a shift in balance. As I, I think maybe as we go into a more interconnected age, we're more similar to a cyberpunk future than we realize. Yeah. Um, and the state, definitely, while still an actor, is probably not the main actor as been as has been conceptualized by a lot of anarchists. I guess. No, for sure. Well, I mean, this is you know one of the reasons why I differentiate between first wave and second wave anarchism. Mm. You know, the first wave anarchist, of course, points to the state as, you know, the, the primary enemy. And the second uh, wave anarchist does not necessarily, you know, yeah. it, w- it would be nice to say that the second wave points to capitalism. But that isn't exactly true because capitalism yeah. has changed and contorted itself to not be nearly as clear as uh, the critique against the state was in the in the first wave. Um, you know, the... the, the the nature of talking with these corporate bodies, for instance, in the context of the multinational internet, it's so complicated that it's really hard to wrap your mind around. And there isn't a Das Kapital for the, for the internet. You know? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> there ever will be. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having this conversation with me. Yeah, of course. I'd love to, if you need any further conversations, I mean, I'm around. <laughs> cool. And, 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 and your podcast again? Uh, haters to the left. Uh, haters.life is the website. Awesome.